Well, good morning. So glad to be here with you today. Are you enjoying this series? Me too. Have you found opportunities to begin working God's wisdom into your lives? A few yeses? Okay, maybe we'll get a few more today. Awesome. Well, you know, I love this series. And if you're joining us for the very first time today, we've been learning how to work God's wisdom into our lives. And we've asked the question, what is it that makes wisdom work? And the answer is, we do. And we began this series with Proverbs 14.1, which says that the wise woman builds her house. And that means her life, her family, all it encompasses. She builds her house, but the foolish one tears it down with her own hands. Right? And so we've learned that to be that wise woman, it requires action. And so together we've discovered how to apply wisdom to all these different areas of our lives. And you know what? God's not done yet. I believe he has got more wisdom for us today. He has more that he wants to pour into us, right? Do you believe that? All right. So let's ask God now if he'll help us to glean his wisdom so that we can live the godly, healthy, productive lives that he wants us to live. Sound good? All right, let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to gather together as your daughters, to worship you, to experience your presence, and to hear from you. So God, right now, I pray that these words that go forward, that they would be yours and not my own, that you would speak to each and every one of us. God, that we would be able to take your wisdom and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as we continue our Wisdom Work series, we're going to discover another way that we can start putting wisdom to work in our lives. And so today, we are going to be talking about working wisdom into our finances. Hey! (laughs) All right, deep breath, deep breath. I promise we're going to have fun. It's going to be okay, all right? I mean, would anyone venture to say, hey, you know what, I could use a little extra wisdom in my finances. Yes, we all could, right? (laughs) You know, I think we've all experienced maybe spending without thinking, maybe a little retail therapy, maybe scooping up a bargain only to have buyer's remorse later, right? I've done it. (laughs) Have you ever realized that this is certainly an area where if we don't have a plan, if we just do whatever we feel like, whenever we feel like it, chaos takes over. I mean, if we don't put wisdom to work in our finances, isn't it easy to look at the bank account at the end of the month and say, where did it all go? We need godly wisdom in our finances, right? You know, maybe that's why a sixth of the Gospels and over a third of the parables that Jesus taught talk about money and stewardship. And did you know there are more than 2,300 verses in the Bible that talk about money and possessions and wealth? That's a lot. And so that means that what we do with our finances is important to God. And if it's important to him, it needs to be important to us, doesn't it? Yeah. So today, 
we're going to discover how to be wise women who build our lives in this area. Okay? All right. So in order to do that, we want to first look at what the world says about how to be financially savvy. And I think the first thing that we need to take notice of is that the world says if you want to be successful, you have to hustle. You have to outwork everyone around you to chase after that success that you want, right? You've got to exhaust yourself. If you need to tell some white lies, tell them. If you need to take a little off the top, do it. Do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself and look out for number one because, honey, nobody else is going to do that for you. That's what the world says. The world also says if it's in your bank account, it's yours. You have every right to do whatever you want with it. Make your choices. Do what makes you happy. Who cares how it affects anyone else? It's yours and you worked for it. So do whatever you feel like. You know, I got to see this in action not that long ago. I try to help out my, at my kids' school whenever I can. And um, one year at the book fair, there was this little girl and she had an envelope with money in it. And her mom had written down on the flyer what the book was that she was supposed to buy. Well, when she got there, she looked at her money, and she looked at the lollipops sitting on the counter, and she looked at her money, and she looked at her flyer with the book written on it, and then she looked at the lollipops. Maybe you know where this is going. And the woman that was helping out at the counter said to her, sweetheart, those lollipops are 25 cents each. And some of them have a dot on the bottom of the stick. And if yours has a dot, you win a free book. So she looked at her money. I've got $10. And she bought a lollipop. Her lollipop didn't have a dot on the bottom. So she bought another one. That lollipop didn't have a dot either. And do you know that 40 lollipops later, this little girl had missed out on the book that she had so looked forward to getting that day? And why did that happen? Because in her mind, that money was all hers. And she did whatever she wanted with it, right? Another thing the world tells us about our finances is debt is normal. Debt's helpful. Debt is a good thing. I mean, all you have to do is turn on the TV to see that, right? There was a commercial on TV the other day that said, hey, finance this vacation so that your family can just live in the moment. Or there was another one on, I'm not making this up. It was a furniture commercial, and it said, finance your furniture. We'll deliver it by Thanksgiving. And then when your mother-in-law comes to visit, she will love you for it. <laughs> Who says that? You know, the world encourages us to think that debt is normal and it's good, and the world has a lot to say about what we do with our money. But you know what? So does God. And we need to listen to what he says about how we manage money so that we can begin working his wisdom into our finances. So now that we know what the world says, let's talk about what God says. You see, working wisdom into our finances begins with understanding it's all God's. It's all God's. In the Bible, if we look at the book of Deuteronomy 10, 14, 
It says, indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God. Also, the earth with all that is in it. And you know, that's not the only place that we see this in scripture. Psalm 50 verse 12 says, God says, the world and its fullness are mine. And you know, maybe if you're sitting here thinking, okay, that's good. I kind of see where you're going with this, but maybe it's just not specific enough for me. Let's look at Haggai 2.8. That says, the silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. So we see really clearly in scripture, it is all God's. And you know, once we recognize that everything truly is God's, including what's in our bank accounts, we realize that our job is simply to honor him with all that we have. We honor him in how we manage it. And when we get this one thing right, it lays a foundation for all the other biblical principles on how we manage money to rest on. Does that make sense? Okay. You know, this is so important that this is the first principle about money that we see addressed in the book of Proverbs. So let's look at Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Honor the Lord first. You know, I don't think that that's the first proverb about money on accident. This is the foundation to applying wisdom to our finances. So we've got to recognize money is simply a tool that God use, that God entrusts us with for us to use to please him, to honor him, right? And then when we do that, he promises to take care of meeting our needs and beyond. And ladies, that's why it's so important to know what God's word says about our finances so we can get his wisdom and put it to work, right? We can't do it, what it says if we don't know what it says, can we? The first thing we see is that it's all God's. Our job is to be good stewards of what he's given us. <sighs> Ladies, we literally can't afford to be women who do whatever feels good in the moment and then Ask God to save us from ourselves when we've made poor decisions. And, you know, I've done this before. Sometimes without even thinking, it's just easy to spend money on things that we don't really need. And then all of a sudden, we look at our bank account and what do we do? We pray. We say, God, help me. Jesus, send me money. I can't pay these bills, right? God, why haven't you provided? But you know, many times, God has provided. The problem isn't a lack of provision. The problem is that we haven't put him first in our finances. We haven't recognized that truly it is all his. We haven't been seeking him or his wisdom on how to best use the resources that we have. And therefore, we haven't put his wisdom to work. And without even thinking, maybe we spent that provision on fancy lattes or other little luxuries that we 
don't really need. Maybe that provision is hanging in our closets. Maybe it's parked in our garages. Maybe that provision was spent on trying to maintain an earthly image instead of being carefully managed for our Heavenly Father, doing the things that are important to His heart and accomplishing His purposes on the earth today. God's rightful position in our finances is Lord. It's the boss, not just the Savior, right? And knowing that it's all his means that we take personal responsibility for the decisions that we do have control over so that we honor him in our finances. So how do we put this to work? Well, throughout scripture, we see that the principle of the tithe is giving the first 10% back to God. We tithe. And we'll read about it in Malachi 3, 9, and 10. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it. So we honor God by bringing our tithes to him. Bringing back that first tenth of all our income. And I know sometimes it sounds crazy, but I've seen it work in my own life. You know, I remember a time when John and I were first married, and we were married really young, so we didn't have any money. And uh, there was a time when we knew we could tithe or we could pay our rent, but we, we just couldn't do both. And we went over it and over it and over it, and there was just no way. And so we tithed knowing that we weren't going to be able to pay those bills. And you know what happened? God showed up. Not through a random person walking up to us and saying, here's a check for you. Not for, for, by uh, magic groceries showing up on our doorstep. Just by simply making it enough. Everything worked out. I don't know how. But God provided. And I want us to notice in that passage of scripture that we read in Malachi that those instructions from God are literally attached to a promise and an invitation to put him to the test. It says, test me in this and I will pour out a blessing. And so when we bring those tithes back to him, we put God in his rightful place as Lord. And we also invite him in to every area of our finances, ready to make room for him to bless us and do the things that we need him to do. Amen? I want God to show up in my finances. I need God to show up in my finances. And tithing is that first step. Tithing lays the foundation that makes God the Lord of our finances. So, now that we've got our foundation in place, we know what to do with that first 10%. Let's talk about the other 90, okay? The next way we can work wisdom into our finances is have integrity. Be honest, be truthful and upfront with people in business and any time that we're dealing with money. And the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about our financial integrity. So let's just touch on a couple of them. Proverbs 20 verse 14 says, the buyer haggles over price saying, oh, it's worthless, and then brags about getting a bargain. 
so. Let me ask you, have any of us ever done that? Maybe somebody we know, you go, you want to buy a new car, you pull up on the lot, you talk to the salesperson, go back and forth a little bit. Oh, it's not worth that. I'll go to the next dealership and start to walk away thinking, oh, maybe they'll come back with a better price. We need to be women of integrity. Let's look at another example. Proverbs 11.1 1 says, The Lord demands accurate scales and balances. He sets the standards for fairness. And you know, I love how this verse reads in the Passion Translation. It says, The Lord expects you to be fair in every business deal, for he is the one who sets the standard for righteousness. So, how do we put wisdom to work here? We choose to have integrity in business and anytime we're handling money. We remember God sees the little things. And the way we treat people, it's important to him. So we need to choose to be honest and do what's right. You know, recently we had an opportunity in our life where we had to put this to work. Uh, John works in sales and recently he had a client start using his product and then he asked, you know, could I buy this product in bulk so that I don't have to place a new order every single time and I can just have it on hand? Well, the answer was yes, he could do that. But John knew that when he did, it meant a 45% pay cut on a big commission. And you know, without hesitating, John said, yes, you can. And let me show you how this is going to save a lot of money for your company. John responded with integrity. He treated that client fairly, and he honored God in the process. And you know, that's just one opportunity, but there are plenty of others that we face all the time. Are we claiming all of our income on our taxes? If we work for tips, are we counting that as part of our income, or are we just kind of, oh, nobody sees it. I'll just tuck it aside. Nobody knows. Just five bucks. Are we cheating others to get ahead? You see, if we've lied or cheated or stolen what doesn't belong to us, we need to take responsibility for that. We've got to ask for forgiveness from the people that we've wronged and from God. And we just want you to know there is no condemnation for you in this place today if you're realizing that this is something you need God's help with. God is so kind. He's so full of mercy. He's waiting for us to come to him. He's eager to forgive us and help us along the way. And when we ask God to help, when we seek his wisdom, he gives it to us. And then when those decisions are hard, he'll show us the right thing to do. He'll provide the courage to follow through with integrity. Amen? Yes, he will. The third way that we work wisdom into our finances is we avoid debt. And you know, the Bible's so clear on this. So I just want to look at two examples from Scripture. The first one is Proverbs 22.7. And it says, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. And then in Romans 13.8, we read, owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Debt's not good. 
You know, the world would love for you to think that it's normal and helpful, but God's word says that it is bondage, and we are not called to live in bondage. So how do we put this to work? What do we do? You know, I think it starts in our hearts with just simply being content. And we've got to ask ourselves, am I grateful for all that God has already given me? Or am I spending all my time and all my energy chasing after the things that I don't have? And you know, can I just lovingly, as your sister, say to you today, don't spend everything you have chasing the things that you don't. Don't try to spend all you've got taming discontentment because you know what? It's never going to be enough. It'll always leave you wanting more. And even if we can spend, it doesn't always mean that we should because we've got to check the motivation of our hearts. Financial decisions are spiritual decisions. And so we need to diligently save whatever we can so that when we do need something, we can afford to pay cash for it. You know, when I was um, 18, I was a senior in high school, and I got a job after school at a clothing boutique, and they gave a really generous discount on their clothes. But the catch was you had to use their credit card to get the discount. So being this uh, wise 18-year-old, no, just kidding, I signed up for that credit card. <laughs> and, you know, I'm so grateful for the wisdom of my parents because when that card came in the mail, my dad took it and he said, let's talk about how this is going to work. And he took that credit card and he said, I'm going to hold on to this. When you want to buy something, bring me the cash and then we'll trade the cash for the card. After you go shopping, bring me the receipt. And we're going to match up the receipt with the cash, with the card, and I'm going to hang on to it until that bill comes. And that's what we did every time. And you know, when that bill came, I had the receipts to reconcile the statement, and I had the cash in hand to write a check and pay it in full. That shows my age, write a check. Do you guys still write checks? But my parents poured wisdom into my life that I am still putting to work today. And they taught me to avoid carrying debt. And you know, another way we put wisdom to work in our lives is don't co-sign a loan for somebody else. Proverbs warns us multiple times about how unwise it is to secure debt for anybody else. Because what happens if that person defaults? Yeah, they come after you to pay it. They hold you responsible. You know, Proverbs gives us so many warnings. Don't co-sign for someone else's debt. And if you're taking notes and you want to jot these scriptures down, these are just a few of the places that we're warned not to do this. Proverbs 6, 1 through 5. Proverbs eleven fifteen. Proverbs 17, 18, and Proverbs 22, 26 through 27, they all say don't co-sign for someone else. So whether it's someone else's debt, whether it's our own debt, wisdom tells us stay away from it. 
So let's be women who work wisdom into our finances by avoiding debt. Yes? Okay. The fourth way we work wisdom into our finances is, is stay away from get-rich-quick schemes. <laughs> and, you know, as I was researching and reading, studying, I was really surprised to see how often this comes up in Scripture. God's Word has a lot to say about it. And so I just want us to listen to a few verses that warn us to stay away from get-rich-quick schemes. The first one is Proverbs 13, 11. And it says, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Proverbs 12, 11 says that a hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense. And then in 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10, we read, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, okay, pause. So not money itself, the love of money. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. You know, I once knew someone who chased all kinds of these get-rich-quick fantasies. And anytime there was something that she thought would make her rich, she was all over it. And everywhere she went to anyone who listened, she would tell you about that scheme and try to get you on board with her. And you know what? There were godly women around her, men and women, who would say, No, this is not a good idea. This is unwise. Don't do it. But just like Proverbs says, a person chasing these wild, get-rich-quick schemes has no sense. And against all wisdom, she poured out all of her time, all of her energy, all of her resources. Sure that each one was the ticket to that millionaire status. And in the process, can I just tell you, she hurt lots of people. She lost many friendships. And many family relationships were broken beyond repair. You know, godly wisdom warns us against get-rich-quick schemes for a reason. They come at a higher cost than we might think. So let's be wise women who build our lives, not women who tear them down. So how do we do that? We listen to godly counsel. We find that in his word, and we find it through trusted advisors, other godly people who have demonstrating the fruit of applying wisdom in their lives, right? So if you're considering a new business venture, ask yourself, is this something that's going to build wealth with hard work over time? Or am I looking for a quick payout? Go to the Bible. See what God's word says about what to do with your finances. Ask godly women who have applied these principles to their finances and you see the evidence of it in their lives. Pray. And then follow what God is leading you to do. And we got to know 
if someone approaches us with an idea that's just too good to be true, guess what? It is, right? And then the next way that we work wisdom into our finances is by living generously. And I know it sounds a little bit counterintuitive, but let's look at what God says about this. We want to get his thoughts on it, right? It's his wisdom that we're applying. Proverbs 11, 24, and 25 says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. We need to understand that generosity doesn't come from having wealth. It comes from the attitude of our hearts. Each and every one of us has the ability to give in some way. And when we do, God will prosper and refresh us. And in Luke 21, we read this story where one day Jesus and his disciples were at the temple and it came time for people to bring their tithes and their offerings. And in the temple, they had these really big containers that people would put their money in. And by design, what would happen was when you drop your money in, the coins would go around and they would make this really loud sound. And it was like intentionally made this way so that you could kind of hear how much people were giving. And so the Bible says that Jesus is watching these rich people come and give their gifts. And, you know, the coins probably go like around and around and around. And you probably hear like this loud clanging and, and this loud noise. And you're hearing what they're giving. And I'm sure people walking by were just like, oh, I'm so impressed. Oh, they're giving so much. But then it said that Jesus noticed this one certain poor widow. And scripture tells us she had only two small coins to her name. You know, the Bible says they were worth less than one penny. And what do you think she did? She gave. She gave all she had. And imagine with me, as the people are walking by, and she puts in her gift, and instead of that clanging, clanging, clanging all the way down, there's nothing. You probably hardly heard it. And everyone around knew that she had hardly given anything. And that included Jesus and his disciples. But scripture says that Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, this poor widow gave more than all the others. Because she gave out of her poverty they gave out of their excess, out of what they didn't need, and they gave a small portion. But she gave out of all she had to live on. You don't have to be wealthy to be generous. Generosity comes from the heart, not our bank account. And we all have something to give. So, how do we put wisdom to work? I think we just simply ask God to show us opportunities to be generous. And then in faith, we take them. So maybe it's buying an extra box of tissues for your kid's classroom during cold season. Maybe it's treating a friend to lunch just because. Maybe it's going above and beyond in your tithes and offerings. You know, whatever it is, we can all be generous. And I love our church because we practice generosity. 
you know, right now we are providing Thanksgiving meals for families in need right here in the Temecula Valley. And if that's something you want to do, if you want to donate a frozen turkey with us, awesome. We'd love to have you do that. Right now our church is partnering with missions all around the world. People across the globe are coming to know who Jesus is and the goodness of God and seeing miracles in their lives because of the generosity of people right here in this church body. And I love that about our church. I love it. We can all give. We can all look to God and say, God, how do you want me to be generous? And you know, I think this is wisdom that we can't afford not to work into our lives, right? And then the final way that we can work wisdom into our finances today is by expecting God's faithfulness. And I think this goes back to trusting him. It goes back to putting him first. And can I just tell you, as I was studying and preparing this message, I feel like God put it so clearly on my heart that there are women in this place today who need to expect God's faithfulness. He sees you. He knows what you're going through. Your struggles are not hidden from him. He loves you and he will provide for you, but he wants you to know you need to expect his faithfulness. You know, sometimes things happen that are just beyond our control. Sometimes it's the loss of a job or the, the death of a loved one. Sometimes we just don't know where that next paycheck is coming from. We've got food to put on the table. We've got hungry kids to feed. And we just don't know what's next. And if you're sitting here today and you're worried and you're afraid, I just want to encourage you, expect God's faithfulness. When we remember that everything we have is already God's, we can rest assured that he has a plan for our provision in difficult circumstances. We can expect his faithfulness. So how do we do that? How do we do that when times are tough? We remember who our God is. You see, provision isn't just something that God does. It's who he is. When we're waiting on God, our waiting's not fearful. It's not passive. It's active. It's full of hope. It's coming to him with faith-filled prayers and gratitude in our hearts saying, yes, God, I believe you're always at work even when I can't see it. I know that you see me and I know you're my help. I know you're my provider. And so if you're in a position of financial hardship today, I believe God is calling you. Let faith rise in your heart. Expect his faithfulness today. Remember who he is. His name is Jehovah Jireh. God, our provider. God will see to it. He's the one who meets our every need. Not because it's another thing on his list of things to do that he checks off. It's because it's who he is. Everything we have comes from him. He is provision. He is trustworthy. He's not going to fail you. You can count on him every single time because he is completely faithful. 
He keeps his promises. And can I just encourage you today, because his promises aren't just in the book of Proverbs. His promises for provision are all throughout scripture. And ladies, I promise you, if you see it, if he's written it, he's said it, you can take it to the bank, you can count on it, you can build your life on it because he does not lie. He is faithful all the time. He never fails, he never quits, he never gets tired, and he never forgets you. He loves you. I know this firsthand. I've seen it in my own life over and over and over again. I could sit down and tell you all kinds of stories of God's provision. And you know what? If he'll do it for me, he'll do it for you. Expect God's faithfulness. He sees you and he's got you. You know, as we close today, let's commit to becoming wise women. Let's be women who look for and apply the godly wisdom that's been made available to us. Because a life built by godly wisdom is healthy and it's productive and it's a blessing to the world around us. And so as you take steps in your finances to apply his wisdom, I know that God's going to show up. I know that he's going to do amazing things. He's at work on your behalf and you'll become a blessing to others around you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for each and every woman here today. God, I believe that you are speaking to women across this place this morning. And Father, I pray that we would be women who rise up and put your wisdom to work in our lives, God. That we would not just hear it and let it go in one ear and out the other. But God, we would be doers of the things that you say. God, I pray that we would recognize you as Lord, the boss, that all that we are and all that we have is yours. That we would put you first in our finances by tithing, God, and that women would see blessing in their lives as a result. Father, I pray that you would encourage us and help us to become women of integrity. God, that we would do what is right and treat others fairly glorifying you in the process. God, that's all we want to do. We want to bring you glory. And God, I pray that we would seek forgiveness if we need to, and that we would let you help us moving forward in doing what's right. Father, I pray we would be wise women who avoid debt and get rich quick schemes. God, that we would say no to those things and say yes to you, our provider, that we would look to you for every single need that we would live generously, managing your resources for the things that are important to your heart, God. That you would show us opportunities and then in faith we would step out and take them. And God, I ask you to pour out your blessing on these women as a result. God, prove yourself to them. As they test you in your promise, God, we ask that you pour out blessing in their lives. And God, for the women who need to expect your faithfulness in this place today, I pray that you would give them a godly courage and a boldness to step out in faith and say, yes, God, this is it. This is what I'm facing. And I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to take you at who you say you are. And I'm going to ask you to show up. And God, I ask for miracles in this place today. 
I ask that you would show up in women's finances, bringing supernatural provision wherever it's needed, God. We ask you to come through because that's who you are. You are God who provides. You are the God who sees to it. And so, God, I pray that they would take you at your word and they would stand firm, believing that you are who you say you are. And right now, while every head is still bowed, every eye is closed, maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship yet with this God that we've been talking about, but you've heard about who he is and the kind of God that he is, and you want a relationship with him. You want him to get involved in your life. Can I just tell you, he loves you so much that he has already taken a step of generosity toward you. He gave his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for every mistake you've ever made so that he could have a relationship with you and extend forgiveness to you. And if you'd like to enter into a relationship with him today, we're going to give you that opportunity right now. And so while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, we're going to pray a prayer together. And all you have to do is just wrap your heart around these words as we all pray out loud. God, I need you. I can't do life all on my own. I believe you sent your son Jesus to die in my place. He paid the price for my salvation. And I surrender all that I am and all that I have to you today. Thank you that you are my God and I am your daughter. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we just welcome new sisters into God's family?